Hello, and welcome to HBR Now. I'm Octavia Gorodima. I'm a career coach and the founder of 2010 Agency. And I'm here with my co-hosts, R.D. Ignatius, the Editor-in-Chief of Harvard Business Review, and Joshua Markt, who runs product and innovation at HBR. Hi, guys. Hello. Our special guest today is Naren Chowdhury, CEO of Panera Bread. Panera's story began in 1980 as a 400-square-foot cookie store in Boston. Now, the company operates over 2,000 bakery cafes in the United States and Canada. We'll be talking to Naren Chowdhury about how Panera has pivoted during the pandemic, the ramifications for the restaurant industry, and how to lead during the hardest of times. If you have a question for Naren, please do post it in the comments, and we'll be asking those later. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, our friends at Accenture. Change is all around us, shaped by technology and human ingenuity. We can make it work for you and your business. Now, before we bring Naren in, I'd like to talk to Arjun Josh about the tumultuous events of the past few days. So much of such consequence has happened in such a short space of time. There's an impeachment vote pending, Federal authorities have said they're preparing for a wave of armed protests across the country in the days leading up to the inauguration. In all honesty, the past week has felt like a year, and yet the year is only just beginning. Adi, how are you finding solace right now with so much turmoil for our democracy? So your comment about the past week seeming like a year, I was thinking about our show last week at this time, or actually on Wednesday. So we had Adam Grant, it was a great discussion. And, you know, in the hour or two after that perfectly pleasant discussion, the world changed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure I've, I've recovered uh, since then. Um, you know, the big question, I, I guess, that concerns HBR and its readers is, you know, what does business do? And I actually am looking forward to talking to Niran today about, you know, what is it? CEOs don't particularly like to dive into politics, don't like to see their workforces politicized. On the other hand, there are red lines that get crossed, and suddenly you need to engage in some some way. You need to say, look, a line has been crossed that matters to me and my company. Um, you need to take action of some sort. I, I, I'll, I'm really interested in what CEOs all over the world are doing, and, and particularly in talking to Niran about that at, at Panera. Yeah, I think it's, um, I feel the same way, Adi. Like, it, it feels like we took like a collective wallop in a weird, strange way, and I'm still kind of stunned. I do try and go back to being positive around the fact that so many people are involved in the political process now, and I think that is a good thing. Um, but I'm curious the same way you are about some of the questions you've raised. Yeah, it's um, it's so hard, and I think for me, it's it's often tempting to shut out tough news cycles, but I simply can't do that. I can't do it this time. I can't look the other way. And the magnitude of what these events symbolize is what leaves me bereft. And I, I think it's also just the recognition that there are literally no safe spaces. Um, you know, COVID, <clears throat> not COVID, it's violence. And I think, however, I choose to deal with this news, it doesn't change the fact that it's happened and that it's consequential. And there were so many hard conversations that lie ahead, not just in the House and the Senate, but I think between all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they came together. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing several congressmen who congressmen and women who are testing positive for 
coronavirus that it has to be true for um, the mob as well. So, I mean, in addition to everything else, this is probably going to be a super spreader event. So, you know, this, this the the coming together of these storylines is extraordinary. It's horrifying and extraordinary. Yeah. So let's get our conversation started. I'd like to formally introduce our guest. Naren Chowdhury is the CEO of Panera Bread. He's worked at the forefront of the food, retail, and hospitality industry for the past three decades. Naren joined Panera two years ago from Krispy Kreme Donuts, where he served as Chief Operating Officer and the President of the International Division. Prior to that, Naren spent 23 years at Yum Brands in a number of roles, including President of Yum India and President of KFC Global. Naren, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Naren, COVID-19 has wreaked havoc across so many industries, hospitality and food retail in particular. Restaurants, the nation's second largest private sector employer, have been in economic freefall due to mandated closures and capacity limits. How is Panera faring during the pandemic compared to your competition? So, yeah, I think the year has been... Uh... Uh, very challenging to say the least, particularly for the restaurant business. The restaurant business, as you mentioned, accounts for 4% of the GDP of the country, employs about 10% of the workforce. Mm -hmm. And the important thing is almost 99% of the restaurants tend to be family owned. And they actually, unfortunately, have, have been impacted uh, the most. Panera, fortunately, um, I think has coming has come out and is coming out much stronger through the pandemic. And I think we embrace the pandemic by asking ourselves, how can we use this as a catalyst to become stronger? You know, a stronger business, a stronger business model, a stronger brand, a stronger culture, a stronger team. And um, as we now ended the, the year in 2020, uh, here are some interesting metrics. So we pivoted from pre-pandemic off-premise business was about 40%. Today, it is about 85%. Pre-pandemic, our digital e-commerce was about 35%. And now it's about 55%. So we are more off-premise, have greater access through e-commerce, and therefore have become a lot more resilient um, through this entire year. And beginning of the pandemic, our business was deeply impacted. We were down almost you know, 50%. But we've closed the year by being down just about, you know, negative 10, et cetera. So I think we have become much stronger through the pandemic uh, with that mindset of how do we use this as a catalyst to become stronger. Um, I like the idea of a catalyst. And what will the company's post-vaccine business model looking like? How are you projecting your future? So I think when the dust settles, um, and I believe that it will, uh, I think Panera's, you know, value proposition of food that customers feel good about eating with greater off-premise convenience, more digital access, I think is going to be even more relevant as we go forward. We're also uh, building as we speak about what we think the next generation Panera would look like, which will, I think will be an asset light, smaller box with greater off-premise convenience as we go forward and build the brand. So I think uh, I think our value proposition will be even more relevant uh, in the days to come. And then we are also investing 
heavily in a couple of areas to ensure that that competitive advantage is sustainable. So like our talent, we're using this as an opportunity to strengthen our talent. We're building uh, even a stronger e-commerce digital network um, as we speak and also strengthening our supply chain. So that is our, our strategy as we go forward. It's going to be more asset light, more off-premise orientated and more e-commerce driven. Um, on October 1st, the House of Representatives approved the Restaurants Act, a $120 yeah. billion restaurant relief bill. The next step yeah. of the vote in the Senate, Chuck Schumer said that the next stimulus bill should include the Restaurants Act. In your opinion, should the government have done more to support restaurants? You know, it's such a tough, uh, challenging situation. It's unprecedented. Um, I think given the uncertainty of it, I feel that the government moved pretty quickly and with the CARES Act and the PPP provisions, I know that, you know, for example, our franchisees benefited a lot from that injection of, uh, of, of capital. And it was deeply appreciated. Um, could they have done more? Yeah, I think obviously, I think it's such a huge challenge. And like I said, impacting the family owned restaurants disproportionately, perhaps more in that area. But I do think uh, grateful, I feel grateful for the amount of support that the restaurant industry got from the government uh, during this crisis. So if you've just tuned in, this is HBR Now. Our guest is Naren Chowdhury, CEO of Panera Bread. If you have a question for Naren, please post it in the comments. And if you can stay to the very end, we have something that you won't want to miss. So Naren, two weeks ago, President Trump extended pandemic-related bans on issuing green cards and work visas through March 31st. Joe Biden has pledged to undo many of Trump's policies. But in the interim, green card applicants from India face the worst backlog due to the 7% per country cap on allocations each year. As a C-suite leader who relocated to the United States, what's your perspective on the immigration challenges highly skilled workers are currently facing? Sure. You know, I, I really believe for our country, immigration is important. In fact, it's a catalyst for economic growth. It's a catalyst for creating jobs. Um, so here are some important insights. I think immig immigrants account for about 15% of the working population. But interestingly, uh, they open this, almost 25% of all new businesses are started by immigrants. 30% of uh, Nobel laureates in the field of science are immigrants. So immigrants are important. They contribute a lot um, to the economy. But here's, here's the key insight. If we do nothing and if we restrict immigration, then by 2035, I believe there'll be a shortfall of maybe about 20 million workers required as the American workforce gets older. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a necessity. I think we need to have immigrants coming into the country and contribute towards building a stronger economy in the future. Mm -hmm. So immigration has just become so politically charged in the United States, and yet you underscored just the value that immigration can, be, can bring. What, what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to business immigration in the economy? I think the single biggest misconception is that immigration is leading to an increase in unemployment. You know, and current, especially around the pandemic, I think we have to realize that it's the pandemic that is creating the levels of unemployment. It is not immigration. Mm -hmm. And I think some of those myths have to be dispelled. I think a case has to be made about the importance of immigration, but also the necessity, as I said, if we don't have immigration, we will not have enough workers in America to continue to drive the economy. So Naren, I'm going to ask you one more question before I bring my co-hosts in. So many of us 
Too many of us are dealing with grief while trying to keep going at work. And I'm aware that you have experienced profound loss. How can leaders support employees who are returning to work after losing a loved one? I think that's a very important question. Um, I really believe um, that leaders have to be even more compassionate in these times, have a greater sense of empathy, a greater sense of a family than ever before. I think that's what we need. Um, it's made even more difficult because we're all sitting remote across the screen. We can't be around each other and be there to comfort each other. So at these times, I think an expression of genuine care, warmth, compassion is so important. And I think um, it has to be also expressed by what we do and not only by what we say. So I'll give you some um, examples of what we've tried to do at Panera. So, you know, when we first got hit by the pandemic, we had to furlough close to 35,000 people. And that was a very, very difficult decision uh, for me. But I was determined to do that with the utmost humanity and compassion possible. And therefore, we did a deal with uh, CVS and Walmart who were looking to hire people. And we asked them to hire our furloughed employees and then give them back to us once the pandemic was over. We also um, partnered with the Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey to provide free meditation and self-care uh, opportunity for our associates uh, to really sort of look inwards, you know, nourish themselves and heal themselves and become emotionally stronger during this very unprecedented time. I want to bring back Adi and Josh to ask some questions as well. Um, thanks. I'll jump in. Um, Niran, so, you know, the big question really since, one of the big questions since March has been the balance between um, protecting the general health and keeping the economy going. You know, our business, publishing, we've been able to transition to work from home without missing a step. We're lucky in that way. <clears throat> Your business is not the same. I guess I'm interested in... Um, how do do you think we've gotten the balance right, or do you think we've we've over we as a society has overreacted in terms of closures that have been more damaging than to the economy than they, they need have been? Yeah, I think you know this is. I'll tell you why this whole situation is so difficult. I think there are three dimensions to this <clears throat> entire issue. You have a health crisis, which is raging as we speak. Uh, with some glimmer of hope with the vaccines. But then you also have a financial crisis. You have you know, 20 million people unemployed uh, right now with uncertainty, uncertainty for the future. And you also have a humanitarian crisis where you have you know, 35, 40 million Americans who are struggling with hunger. So it's a health crisis that's triggering a financial crisis and a humanitarian crisis. And all three of them are happening at the same time. So I think whatever we do, I think we have to actually address all of those three dimensions uh, proactively and to the best of our ability. <clears throat> and I really feel that um, this is so complicated and so complex that industry and industry leaders have to step up and also contribute and make a difference in this regard across all three dimensions. 
so that is what I believe in. I think all three have to be addressed, and I think industry has to play a part. So we're also dealing with an intense political moment. Um, after what happened in Washington last week, the corporate backlash has been really quite intense. You know, uh, more and more companies are saying they'll suspend donations to politicians who supported the process of questioning the election results. Um, I'm curious, you know, CEOs generally don't like to be thrust into political situations because they're divisive internally, but you can't avoid it. So I'm, I'm interested in how at Panera you're dealing with this latest backlash that I'm sure, you know, has has got your employees rolled up, of course, your your customers. How do you how do you navigate that? I think, um, Adi, you're right. I think, you know, normally businesses say, hey, let me get on with what I do. But I think there are moments in time where you have to take a stand and provide clarity uh, to the organization, to your employees, your customers, as to what your core values are. What do you believe in? And these are the moments where I think if you don't do that, I think that that, that would be a missed opportunity. So I, I want to share with you how I personally felt. You know, I, I was like really, really disturbed and deeply shocked <clears throat> by what transpired. I think the uh, the unnecessary loss of life, I think the attack on the nation, the attack on democracy, the attack against the free will of the people in a free and fair election, which was undermined, I think was deeply disturbing uh, to watch. However, at the same time, I took a lot of hope and encouragement by the fact that the House of Representatives and the Senate got back together the very same day and finished the job and ratified the new government. And, I, and I, that to me was democracy, um, you know, also working at its best, taking accountability, coming back with urgency and doing the job. But I'll tell you what disturbs me the most. What disturbs me the most is the fact that there was so much anger, hatred, violence, resentment that was visible. All of that built on a foundation of misinformation and falsehoods, etc. That to me was perhaps the single most concerning thing in the entire episode. And as I was reflecting on it, I, you know, I just feel that we as leaders across the country need to even deepen our resolve to stand for the utmost and the highest levels of transparency and candor in our organizations. And we as leaders have to walk the walk on that, you know, to be truthful, to be transparent, to be honest. And um, I really have this mindset of, I have limited impact in the world around me, but I have full control over the Panera that we build. And therefore, why can't we make Panera a reflection of the world that we wish to see? Why can't I make Panera uh, inclusive, um, embracing, uh, compassionate, respectful? And I think that really is my focus, uh, to really make sure that we are living by those values uh, in Panera. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it's it's hard to get the change you want out of government, out of you know global institutions, and it has to happen uh, inside inside companies. I, I do want to ask one more question, then I'll, I'll hand over to Josh. Um, you know, so 
the president of the U.S. is is in the process of being impeached for the second time, and there are those who say, you know, it was his his actions that that caused everything you're just talking about, what happened in Washington. Um, you know, I, you met with with Trump, as did many business leaders. I'm wondering, the fact that you met with him, that you had a conversation with him, an audience with him, are are people using that against you now? Is that actually a liability that you have to handle somehow? No, I, I don't think at all. I think uh, you know, I was uh, uh, there to represent the industry and make sure that the right um, incentives were being given to the industry at a time of huge amount of need. Um, you know, I was looking for opportunities to actually serve the community, you know, when we went uh, and interacted. So, for example, we have this mindset of how can leaders step up and do the right thing, and uh, including for the community. And at Panera, we've done a lot to serve those who are impacted the most um, by the pandemic. So doctors and nurses, you know, we fed 50,000 meals a week to doctors and nurses in New York. Uh, we uh, did a program with the USDA and the government to feed school children. Um, who are not able to access lunch uh, with this closure of schools. And that's where we uh, established a program with the USDA. And then, of course, um, families that don't have food to eat. Uh, we we um, partnered with Feeding America and created a program to feed half a million American families. So I think the intent, whether with this administration or any other administration, is always to look for opportunities to do the right thing, uh, to contribute and to make a difference and to get the required incentives that are required for the restaurant industry at large. This, this is, um, I want to switch gears for a section, uh, for a second at least, but um, I also want to remind people out there to keep, keep asking their questions and maybe we'll get back to some of the themes we've just been talking about. But I wanted to shift to innovation and competition because your space is so competitive I'm curious, you know, in some ways, even now, when you sort of think it's counterintuitive that people could be starting new concepts, we see them. We see them expanding. Um, I certainly see them around Boston, even even now. I'm curious which concepts you see coming along that give you some concern or intrigue and how you keep innovating when, you know, revenue's down. How do you do that? That seems like one of the trickiest things uh, that business leaders need to do. Yeah. So I think our mindset is, you know, we always want to be aware of the context and the competitive environment, but not spend too much energy on that. Spend all of our energy looking inside at Panera and understanding how can we leverage Panera to best serve the needs of our customers better than anybody else, being focused on that. And I think that has been our, our focus. We take inspiration and learnings from the category. Um, and, and then we try and sort of uh, apply that uh, in a Panera way. So I'll give you some, some examples. So interestingly, during the pandemic, the, some of the uh, food categories that have bucked the trend, interestingly, are uh, brands that serve craveable products, like uh, donuts have done very well. Um, uh, burgers have done very well. Pizzas have done very well. So there is this desire at this uncertain time for customers to look for nostalgia, indulgence, um, to uh, to provide some comfort, so that we're using that ins insight. You know, we rapidly launched what we call flatbread pizzas in a record time. Imagine that we're all sitting remote; we don't have access to our kitchens, and yet we are able to um, create this fantastic product in a uniquely Panera way. 
So it's stone-baked, high-quality ingredients, credentials of bread and bakery that only Panera has, and we launched that and it's doing phenomenally well. Another example is, you know, looking outside the category like Netflix and Amazon Prime and looking at the success of their subscription models inspired us to become the Netflix of coffee. And therefore we launched a coffee subscription program where you pay $8.99 a month and can have unlimited coffee, uh, which has also done extremely well. So those are two examples of mm -hmm. uh, rapidly innovating. A third example also is curbside pickup that we launched during the pandemic. We set up about a thousand curbside pickups in a week. Um, so I think innovation is very much in the DNA of the brand. We look for inspiration outside, but we very much do it our own way. Hmm. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay, so this is the question you probably get all the time. But how many times a week do you eat at Panera? Oh, man, I tell you, Panera is the first brand that I can eat three times a day, seven days a week, and still love it every single day. Okay, so <laughs> but but to pointedly, pointedly to your question, I eat Panera at least three to four times a week for lunch. That, that's helped with the innovation. If, I, if my lunch depends on it, I'd say, let's have something new. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, so we do have audience questions coming in. And, but before I get to that, I mean, Aaron, you, um, you, know, you have such an incredible family, and I know you, you were inspired by the short and amazing life of your daughter. And that that whole story was was made into a, a Bollywood movie. Uh, you know, we we could spend hours talking about this, but uh, if you're willing, could you share a little bit about Aisha's life and inspiration for you? Because I, I I understand that's an important part of who you are and and how you've been inspired as a leader. Thank you, Adi. I think certainly Aisha is the biggest uh, influence on my life uh, as a human as a leader. So for all the listeners, um, Aisha, my daughter, uh, she died when she was 18 years old in 2015 due to pulmonary fibrosis, which is a hardening of the, uh, of the lung. But, you know, it, it's what she achieved in those short 18 years that is remarkable. So she's a author of a best-selling book called My Little Epiphanies. She's a, a motivational speaker. She has TED Talks uh, on YouTube with millions of hits. And... Um, she just achieved more, I think, in her 18 years than many of us do in our lives. And I think all of that was because of her, her attitude. And I want to share with you uh, the things that really inspire me and shape me. The first one was about courage, the courage to focus on what you have control over and not on what's happening to you. I think that's a very important life lesson. The second is the importance of gratitude. Even now, you know, as a nation, let's just step back and be grateful for how incredible this country is and how incredible this country will be. There's a sense of gratitude, reminding ourselves to always, always be grateful. And finally, I think Aisha's realization that the true act of joy lies in giving. And she wrote in a book that if you can't change your own life, there's always someone else's. I think there's such tremendous power in those words. And I have to say that uh, Aisha has inspired me to become a better human, more compassionate, uh, lead with more empathy and more, more heart, and uh, therefore has asked, led me to shape my agenda as a leader to not only be that of creating enterprise value, but also to help unlock the dreams of people who work with me 
and also to impact the community in which uh, we operate. So she's impacted me uh, big time. Yeah, that's amazing. I really urge uh, viewers to to read read more about Aisha. You know, check out her book, check out the the movie. It's really quite an inspiration. Um, so, Niran, with that, let me go to audience questions, um, and we'll get to we'll get to. So, a just adding for everyone's benefit, the movie's name is "The Sky Is Pink," and it is on Netflix. It's a fantastic watch. Yeah, good one. Um, so, here's a question from Kiri from the Bay Area. The question is. How can leaders build an organization during normal times so that they have the ability to effectively respond to a crisis like what we're in now when it comes? I think that's a great question. I think uh, I really feel that the way to achieve results is by having a compelling strategy, but then more importantly, being able to execute. Execution is everything, and execution in turn is a function of having the right people doing the right things the right way. So if during normal times, we focus on those three components. Do I have the right people? Are they doing the right things? And are they doing it the right way in terms of the culture? I think then we are building the foundation of an organization that can be a lot more resilient uh, for events like the ones that we have just faced. So one thing we've seen, and, and there's a question to this effect, is um, that many of us have seen an acceleration of our companies technologically, digitally, you know, a transformation that may have taken years just happened compressed within, you know, six to nine months. So this is a question from Wakas in Pakistan, which is that during the pandemic, every company got digitally transformed in some ways. You know, how, what has the digital transformation been like at Panera? Sure. So Panera is already a leader on technology and digital e-commerce. Uh, so, uh, Pre-pandemic, uh, almost uh, close to 35% of our sales was coming from digital e-commerce, and it has now grown to about 55, 60% of our sales are coming from the e-commerce channel, which is very profitable because our average spend tends to be much higher on e-commerce. We have a loyalty program that has about 40 million members. Uh, that's probably the highest in the food retail uh, industry, and it's growing rapidly. Uh, and we are monetizing that because the lifetime value of our loyalty program members are at least five times higher than those who are not members of the loyalty program. So these are the two important cornerstones of our digital platform, e-commerce, and our loyalty program. We have invested close to about half a billion dollars in setting up the IT infrastructure over the last five years. And we continue to invest disproportionately on the infrastructure and the talent in Panera because I passionately believe that Panera is actually a tech company that is serving food that customers feel good about eating. And we want to always lead on technology. So I think of Panera sort of as I think about HBR, that you have like a strong fan base. I mean, you have, you know, kooky loyal fans who just, who love you, who love what you serve up. And yet you want to innovate, you want to, to change the model, bring in new. So how do you how do you handle the kind of the fanboys and girls who just love you while trying to innovate and do completely new things? So I think our, our focus and I think focus for any business should be always serve those who love you the most. First of all, you know, excite them, energize them, give them more reasons to love you more and come back even more often. So that is a single biggest priority all the time. We love the customers who love Panera. 
and we want to make sure that they love Panera forever. And we'll give them enough reasons to do that. But alongside, we want to continue to expand the franchise of Panera and make it more and more relevant for customers who may not have thought of Panera for certain occasions, like the dinner occasion. That's why the flatbed pizza. For the at-home consumption of a shareable warm meal, like the flatbed pizza. So I think it's a bit of both, but I would say our overwhelming focus always is to serve and delight those who love us the most. That sounds great. All right, let me let me do one more audience question and then I'll hand it back to Octavia. This is from Niha in London. And this is really about culture. I mean, her question is, his question, Niha's question is, how has Panera's culture changed during the pandemic? But you know, more broadly, how do you how do you maintain culture? You probably hired a lot of people who uh, you know have have been working remotely in the back office or something, and don't haven't had firsthand experience of the culture. How do you how do you create, sustain, modify culture during a tough period like this? I think of my job as being the chief culture officer. I think culture is the most important differentiator between excelling companies and companies that are average. So what is culture? Culture is the way in which we behave, the way in which we treat each other. And where does that come from? Our behaviors come from our thoughts. Our thoughts come from our values. So if you have a common set of values, you will have more consistent thoughts, more consistent behaviors, high levels of trust, and a more empowering culture. So I think we have clarity at Panera of what those values are. And interestingly, Panera is going through a trans transformation. We want to leverage uh, the best of what Panera is as we move it towards the future. So in the past, Panera has been outstanding with its compassion, its heart, its warmth, its family values, its inventiveness. And we are now creating a bridge and we are bolting on uh, additional values such as courage, such as candor, such as curiosity, such as high levels of accountability to drive results. So it's both sort of building on what we had and bolting on what we need to prepare Panera for the future. So that's an uplifting mm -hmm. note to end this on because sadly we're out of time, but I wanna thank you, Naren, for taking the time to join us today. That was a great conversation. Real pleasure. <laughs> And I also want to thank our friends at Accenture for sponsoring the show. This week, we have a bonus, an extra show on Thursday, January 14th. Our special guest is Ken Frazier, CEO of Merck. We'll be talking to Ken about how to close the opportunity gap for black Americans and how the business community can contribute to social progress. Be sure to tune in this Thursday at 12 noon Eastern. Until then, I want to thank you all for joining us today. This is HBR Now. Yeah, so what was that special surprise you talked about, Octavia? Yeah. I think it's coming. Oh, <laughs> what? He has a guitar? What? <laughs> Come on, really? Naren, what have you got there? Have you got a treat for us? Are you playing like a CEO band? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't hear you, Naren. A, a bunch of CEOs. That needs to... 
<laughs> All right. Can you guys hear me? Yes, yep. we can. Yeah. On that, you're really going to have to pot. Last night, we had to really pot that up a little bit. So, Is it popped up? Is it good? Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'm actually uh, always looking for opportunities to sing. Um, and therefore, I told um, Addy that the only reason I'm going to do this podcast is if you allow me to sing. <laughs> sing. So, so I'm going to do a song that I wrote for Panera Bread. We talked a lot about frat bread pizzas. So I just want you to know how passionate I am about that product. All right. Double zero dough ingredients that are fresh. Messy abundance crafted by chef. Chicken, cheese, margarita, Panera's got for you, flatbread pizza. Double zero dough ingredients that are fresh. Messy abundance crafted by chef. Pepperoni is the new flavor. Panera's got for you flatbread pizza. Flatbread pizza. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be stuck in my head now. Thank you, guys. I see a whole new advertising campaign. That is good guitar work. Thank you. All right. Yeah. We have one comment. Uh, I see coming that says you sound like Paul McCartney. So. Ooh. Ooh. There you go. I was being very disciplined about the amount of songs I'm allowed to do. Addy, I don't know. I mean, you want. Uh, you could do. I think you could do an encore if if you got something. Please. How about some it doesn't bread? have to be about flatbread though. Or does, okay. Yeah. Or it could be about. Okay, I can do Oasis, Wonderwall, or I can do a good old. Uh, Guns and Roses knocking. It's on up to you. Door. I, this, the stage is yours. Okay, let's do knocking on heaven's door. I think everybody knows that song. Yeah. yeah. So please join me. The audience. <laughs> Mama, take this guns away from me. And I can shoot them anymore. Skeleton dark, too dark to see. I feel like I'm knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Nice. Cool. That's a cool CEO, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Real pleasure. Thank you. All right. That's probably real goodbye. I think it is. Take care, everyone. We okay. will. Good luck with everything. Thank you for doing the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.